This morning we want to look at the question, why did people come to see Jesus? And really, we could ask that in the present tense, why do people come to Jesus? In this particular clip from The Chosen, you recognize that there are people from every age group, every ethnic group, and there are people from various social economic and religious classes. You had those who were very religious, the Pharisees, and, the, and those who led the people uh, throughout the, the, the Torah and the law. You had those who were common. You, you had people who in great physical need, but you recognize also that there were people who recognized that Jesus had something they didn't have, and they came to Jesus because of spiritual needs. Well, we're going to see that this morning, uh, not from a pictorial view uh, by way of video, but we're going to look at God's Word as we really try to examine the question, why, why did people come to Jesus? And if you have your Bibles, I invite you or some kind of uh, um, medium that you can use in, in your hand, uh, turn to Mark chapter 2, and, and we're going to look at Mark's account of uh, this encounter that he had uh, with Jesus and seeing what Jesus could do. Uh, why, why did people come to Jesus? And before I recognize that or we deal with it from the text, uh, I want us to maybe think a little bit about who, who we really identify with or maybe who's, who's our favorite character in the whole story. Now, when you think about that as it relates to the New Testament or relates to the Bible and you ask people, who's your favorite person in the Bible? The obvious answer should be Jesus, right? But you don't get to use that particular answer today. Well, you know, who, who's your favorite uh, person in the, in the story? Jesus. But, you know, just looking at some of the things we saw, as well as if you're familiar with the scriptures, some of the people that Jesus encountered, uh, you can relate to them in a variety of different ways. And they took a, a creative spin on some of the characters in the New Testament. But the essence of the truth about who they were is found in the story that they tell. You know, and thinking about it for a moment, one of the religious men, you could tell him by the way he was dressed, uh, was a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a person I think we could all relate to or connect with because he, here is a man, and just by definition, you being here, you have some interest in spiritual things, and maybe you're deeply interested in spiritual things, but that was Nicodemus' story. He actually loved the scriptures. He wanted to find out more about God. He studied it as a life uh, pursuit. And he came to that place in his life where he was not only a teacher, but a teacher of teachers. And, and yet when he encountered Jesus, there was something about Jesus that was, that was new to him. He, he wanted to experience God in a full way. And he recognized now he was in the presence of someone that had a relationship with God that he didn't have because this was God in the flesh. And he wanted to be around Jesus because Jesus not only could live the life that he could not live and experience the life he, could, he did not have, but he, he could do the things he could not do. And as he tried to help people that were in desperate need, Nicodemus, with all his training, with all his religious background, could not deliver people from the, the bondage that they were in. Or, or maybe you can relate or identify with a character that many people identify with, and that's Peter, Simon Peter. And you look at Peter throughout this pages of Scripture, as well as the story that's been portrayed in The Chosen, you, you see someone that is uh, quick to speak, not always quick to, what, think before he speaks. He, he's a man of great passion, but often he, he's so impulsive, he does the things that do not help those around him, but sometimes can hurt those around him. Or, or maybe, uh, and Mary was portrayed in this particular part where we see the paralytic healed, you, you can identify with Mary. In the backstory of Mary from Magdala, uh, a, a person who, who didn't necessarily have a physical need, though she had demonic influence in her life, but she was a, a person that was tormented on the inside, and, and then she met Jesus, 
and her life was changed. I, I really like that part of the story. And on, on, the, on Wednesdays, we now do some closed captions because it's not always easy to catch every word out of uh, the mouths of those who are portrayed in the film. Uh, but the question is asked of the paralytic, and obviously he has needs. He cannot walk, and, and really he was carried on a stretcher, which means he, he probably was severely crippled, probably a quadriple, quadriplegic. And as they ask her the question, well, if, if, if that were you, would you make a scene to somehow get your friend to see Jesus? And he asked her the question, what if you were me? And she said, I once was. But probably the character that kind of uh, grabs me as much as any, and there are a variety of characters. You have Thomas, who is known as, he has a nickname in Scripture. What is Thomas's nickname? Doubting, question, uh, Doubting Thomas. But really, you could call Thomas the man who asked questions, because he was constantly asking questions. And, and maybe you're here today, and that's really what you struggle with, is, is you've heard a lot about Jesus, heard a lot about the Christian faith, you heard a lot of things about the Bible, but maybe you feel you have more questions than answers. Well, you're in good company, because one of Jesus' disciples, his apostles, was a man not only doubted, but asked questions. But I, I kind of identify, or at least am, am drawn to Matthew. And Matthew is one of the gospel writers who records this story, though we're going to be looking at from Mark this morning because of the length of, and the, the detail that's in Mark's account. Is Matthew uh, portrayed creatively? And we have no idea whether Matthew was like this at all. We, we know that he was a tax collector and, and that he had probably purchased the right to, to get funds from his, his own people uh, not only to help Rome out, but even more so to help himself out because it's a very lucrative position. But as you looked at Matthew, and they portray him this way, as, uh, as a man that's a little bit different than anybody else. And you could kind of see it. He was the one who went up on the ladder where the children were at. And it was great to see the children because, again, it was people of all ages that were drawn to see Jesus. And they, they got it quicker than anybody else. But Matthew, uh, he's described by uh, various characters in the film, uh, uh, the Roman uh, praetor, uh, Dominus, and as he uses Matthew for his own pursuits, he, he describes Matthew this way, you are wonderfully odd, is how he describes him. And then Simon Peter, who has a kind of a, well, it used to be just a hate, and then it becomes a love-hate relationship with Matthew, he says, uh, there's something off about you. And I was thinking about that. I've had people say that about me as well. You know, there's something odd about you, something off about you. But even as, as, as Matthew looks at himself and he self-describes himself, and as he's been kind of interrogated by Dominus uh, about some things, he says, I, I, I'm neither sophisticated or subtle, but I am observant. And because he was observant, he was drawn to Jesus. And there's a question asked of uh, the children of him uh, because of his reaction to his being with a crowd. And he was always fearful being a crowd because he wasn't the most popular person uh, in Israel. And as he was struggling with being in a crowd who had various opinions about Jesus, and as he was drawn to Jesus, they asked the question, are, are you lost? And he says, yes, I am. 
So as you identify with people in the scriptures, you recognize people in the scriptures are just like us. And whether the poetic license is, is totally accurate, who knows? But the reality is Matthew was a person who was lost and then was found. Mary was a, a person that, that was being tormented and Jesus healed her on the inside. You had the paralytic man who, who physically was, was, was so limited, his life was almost not worth living. And, and then he met Jesus. But as we think of the dramatic ways in which people were drawn to Jesus, we, we need to recognize that, that often G, they were drawn to him, not because of the spectacular. And of course, that contributed to, to people wanting to be with Jesus. But uh, many of the things that drew people to Jesus are the things that if we are followers of Jesus, we could, we could desire to live that kind of life that would also draw people to Jesus. So, you think I'm getting emotional up here, don't you? <laughs> and of course, that wouldn't be the, be the case. But if you have your Bibles, look at Mark chapter 2, and we're going to go up a little bit further as we look at the question very simply uh, portrayed this morning. Why did people come to Jesus? And we're going to answer this. How do we understand all the people coming to Jesus then and now? And what draws people to encounter him? And first of all, I want to look at a story right before the story of the healing of the paralytic. And it's really uh, happened a couple days before this. And it's a man that is uh, filled with leprosy. And here's the account we pick up. And a leper came to Jesus. And so again, if you're thinking about where did I come with this theme this morning, it's right out of the text, is people came to Jesus. And when people come to Jesus, you want to ask the question, why? At least some people are with me. We can start all over if you want me to. All right. So why did people come to Jesus? Well, the person with leprosy came to Jesus, and we could probably guess before the rest of the story is unfolded, is because he wanted to be healed. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, what's interesting about this is the leper already had the experience, or at least heard by way of word of mouth, that Jesus could change people. Changed him in so many different ways, whether it was Mary tormented on the inside, or later on as we look at Simon Peter, who, who lived a life kind of like we did and recognized it was all for himself, or mostly for himself, and now he realized that life is not about you, it's about others around you, is that he had recognized that Peter could change people's lives, or Jesus could change people's lives. And the whole question was not whether he was able to do it, but whether he was what? Willing. And so we see Jesus being portrayed as someone that is capable and able to do anything and everything. And the only question for us or for anyone who comes to Jesus, is he willing to do it for me? And then it goes on in verse 41, and this is the point I want to make here. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing to be cleansed. Now what I want to present today, this first point is simply this. People were drawn to Jesus, not because of all because of his power, and not all because of, even as they heard the story, he was often willing, if not always willing, but they, they saw in his character this, he was compassionate. And so as we think about people being drawn to Jesus, Jesus was compassionate to hurting people. Now, you, you can help people and do it in a very callous way. Would, would you all agree? Oh, man, I can't, you know, all right, I'll, I'll help you out. And, and, and as you think about that, uh, if, if I need help, I'll take it any way I can, can get it, right? 
And Jesus even told some parables about people helping in a way when they were pushed and prodded to do so. But Jesus is shown here in the real heart of who he is. He was helping people because he was compassionate. It's an interesting word. I have to watch my time today. It's, it's a word. Uh, there's five different Greek words used in the New Testament for compassionate. This is one that's only used to Jesus. And it's used 14 times by Mark in, in, in his gospel. And, and it's used of, of him being moved in the inward parts of his body. It, it, just, it just moved him physically at the pain or need of others around him. And so we see the heart of Jesus in that when he saw a need, he just didn't see it uh, academically. He didn't just see it, well, that's, that's something in my to-do list. I better check off and, and give them some help. But he was moved at the, at the pain and the heartache and the, and, the, and the consequences of a broken world in which broken people have been a result of rebellion toward God not only just personally, but globally. And here was a man filled with leprosy. And he demonstrated his compassion, not just with words or action. He reached out and touched him, which no righteous, holy man would ever do. Because if you, you know, remember, I don't know if they still do this in, kid, in, in elementary school, that, you know, if you're going around and, and you touch somebody and say, now you've got cooties. Remember that, cooties? Okay. And well, if you touch someone with leprosy, you, you would now be be probably one who would contract leprosy. And if you didn't contract it physically, just the touch of them would give you the cooties of being unclean before God, or you could not worship in any, in any public way. But Jesus moved with compassion, didn't care what other people thought. He wanted that person to think, I care about you. So why did people come to Jesus? Because he was compassionate with hurting people. Now, the story we're not going to read, which is between Mark chapter 1, verse 40, to the end of the, uh, chapter 1, uh, Jesus basically tells them, okay, now, now what I want you to do is I want you to go to the temple and, and be pronounced religiously clean, but I don't want you to tell anybody because, and, and the hidden point here is because, look, at, I, I'm already drawing too big a crowd than I want right now as it is, and I have to stay in the outskirts. I, if I go into the city, it just becomes a mob, so don't tell anybody. Now, what's interesting about that is that often Jesus would tell people who had encountered him not to tell anybody about them. And what did they do? They, they told everybody. Now, he tells us to tell everybody, and we do what? <laughs> we don't tell anybody, all right? So we, we need to take that passion when Jesus touches us that we now want to tell other people about it. So anyway, uh, the word gets out even more so. And Jesus had gone away for a few days and, and, and left Capernaum, which now became his, basically his hometown. And those that went to Israel with us a couple years ago, we had an opportunity to, to see a building, a home, just like the one that you had here that had kind of a, a roof where you could lower someone down. And it was a very small house that had surroundings around it. There was an outdoor uh, stairway where you could be, get on top. But he had left and now he had come back. And in this again, we're going to see the obvious. People came to see Jesus. And we're going to ask the question, what? Why? Why? If you don't say that better the next time, I'm going to start all over, right? <laughs> okay, the, the first reason that people came to see Jesus is because they saw his heart and he was compassionate. Well, let's look further why they came to Jesus. And initially, this will be somewhat surprising to you. Maybe. When he had, this is Jesus, had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that Jesus was at home. 
And many, and many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. So many was now expanded. Well, how many is many? Well, it was so many that you couldn't get in. In fact, not only you couldn't get in, there were so many around the door, you really couldn't get near the door. So that means the many was a whole lot, right? It was now surrounded by people. And he asked her a question, well, what drew them? And he was speaking the, what? Word to them. Now, let's be honest. If we were living in that day, and that's part of what happens when you see the chosen, you can kind of picture yourself being maybe, you know, in Capernaum and Israel and seeing how they dressed and how they moved around. And you could try to imagine, well, maybe that's how the Bible was. And when I read the scripture, maybe I can see the things that are happening. And you think, well, well yeah, I'd come to see Jesus. I want to see the next what? Miracle, right? I want to see the next healing. I want him to do something dramatic. I mean, who, who wouldn't want to see that, right? But why were these people here? They were here because they heard him what? Teach the Word of God. And you really miss part of the thrust of the New Testament, if not the thrust of the New Testament. People came not to see just what Jesus would do, but what he would say. Because they determined that in Jesus, he had the words of life. You know, it's interesting about Jesus. In fact, every time he spoke and taught, and many times the same adjective was used of their response to a miraculous thing he would do. And that when he spoke, they said they were amazed at his teaching. Not only was he speaking truth that maybe they'd never heard in that way, but he was speaking with such authority that they knew it was true. And so they gathered not to see the next sign that he would do, but they came to hear the words, the words of life. I've got a few references in your outline. We're not going to necessarily turn to it. In Matthew chapter, uh, in fact, I just skipped the other ones, didn't I? In the first point. Do you want me to tell what the other ones were? Okay. Uh, Jesus was compassionate. You know, I, I mentioned it. Was only, it's only used of Jesus in the Gospels, this particular word, spalanchthana. And it really talks about the inward movement of him. But, but it, it, it illustrates all the time when he would hear, see people. I, I got to share this. Well, I don't have to, but I'm going to. In, in uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it talks about Jesus. When he saw people, they were distressed and disturbed like sheep without a shepherd. It said he had compassion on them. When, when they were out food, without food, when he fed the 4,000 and the 5,000, he was moved because he had compassion on them. So as we think about what brought people to Jesus, it was compassion. What brought people to Jesus? Because he uh, was a teacher of the word. In, in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 7, verse 24, it speaks about the end of that, that sermon that's uh, pretty familiar. In fact, it's the fa- most famous sermon Jesus ever preached. It's a sermon on the... On the mount, at the end of that, he had an introduction with the Beatitudes, and then he had a conclusion at the end. And he said, look, at, if you hear the words I have to you, for you, and you listen and act on them, you will be like a wise person who builds his life on a, what, rock. And so they were a people that, were, that recognized they lived life just like we did, and they struggled. And he said, look, if, if I want to get my life together what I need to do is not long for the next miracle. I need, to, I need to know what to build my life on. What I need to build my life on is the teaching of Jesus. That's what drew people. They wanted to hear Jesus. When, when Jesus was, before he did the miracle of the feeding the 4,000, 5,000, the only reason they came was to hear Jesus. 
Now, afterwards, they got the free lunch, but they didn't know they were going to get the free lunch until they got there. There's so many things about Jesus. In fact, as we think about Jesus being the one who shares the Word of God with people, uh, and then it was written, what he said. So it was the written Word of God out of the words of Jesus. But really, you could look at Jesus. He was the living Word of God. In John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus, why did people come to know Jesus? Because he spoke the Word of God and was the Word of God. He was the full expression of who God is. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, when he comes again, it will be written, he is the Word of God. So why do people come to Jesus? And let me just interject this now. Is why do people come to know Jesus now? Because they understand his compassion. You want to use a more common word because of his love. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then this month's verse. For God did not send his son in the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. People come to Jesus because of his love. But is that all there is? Well, obviously it's not because there's the rest of the story. And this is what we saw and now we'll read of. And as great as the movie The Chosen is, and I've really, I've really been enamored by it in a lot of different ways, and I've looked ahead for the other seasons as well. But, but uh, you know, you've heard the thing about, you know, what's better, the movie or the book? The book is always better, right? The book is always better, but the movie is good. It's really good, all right? Well, anyway, let's go on in the account, and we saw, now let's read about it. And they came bringing to him a paralytic, and we saw that in the story. And they carried, it was carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they dug down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. So as we think about why people came to Jesus and why people come to Jesus now, uh, let's just get very theological here at the moment. Is why people not only come to Jesus but need to come to Jesus because of sin. There is that which separates us from having a personal relationship with God. It's the things in our life that are wrong. It's those things when we experience life, uh, whether it's uh, self-induced or induced by others, when we experience the common uh, emotion or reality is that we are guilty. That, it, that if we were standing before a holy God who was sinless and per- perfect, there'd be no reason for God to enter into a relationship with us. There'd be no reason for us to have the opportunity to spend eternity with him because we don't deserve it. There is something desperately wrong in our life. Sin separates us from him. And really, the reality of it is you look at the whole story of the scripture is that when God created everything, it was good and very good. And then we messed it up. And when sin entered the world, it broke everything. And when it broke everything, the only thing that was going to put it back together was to have a solution for our sin. And in reality, if you look at the Old Testament and really in the New Testament, you can see some parallels with it as well, is that everything that is broken in our world, politically, relationally, economically, 
geologically, everything is a result of sin. When we rebelled against the God who made everything good. And, and so you can say every particular disease, every, every malady, every deformity is a result of sin. Now, it might not be your personal sin or your, your parents' sin, but we live in a broken world. And when you live in a broken world, other things get broken. And so when Jesus said to this man who came in with the obvious need, he wanted to be healed physically, he said, let's, let's get to the root of it. Let's get yourself healed spiritually. My, my son, your sins are forgiven. And the reality is the reason that this man got into the presence of Jesus was not only because of his faith, believing that Jesus could do something. He probably had heard the the testimonies of God's miraculous works through the power of Jesus is that it was also the faith of the four people who carried him in. And in fact, when Jesus speaks to them, he says, look, when he saw their faith, he didn't say his faith, it's the man, the paralytic. He said, the, the four that have brought you in. Now, we saw the story here. There might have been even more, more than four that that persuade him. We've got to do everything we can to get you to see Jesus. But Jesus, what he was dealing with now is, let's, let's not deal with that which will only last for a temporal period of time. Because whether Jesus heals us physically in this world, and there were many miracles that Jesus did. He, he, he took people who were born blind and gave them sight. But eventually, everyone that gets healed physically, even people who are raised from the dead, as Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, what was going to happen to Lazarus in a few years? He was going to what? Die again. And so the only solution and the only reason people really need to come to Jesus, there are a variety of reasons why people would want to come to Jesus. One, he's compassionate. One, who doesn't like to hear a good speaker? But thirdly, it's because, look, he deals with the heart issue, which is sin, which separates from us from God. And so they went to great lengths to do everything they could to bring their friend to Jesus. And he didn't say, well, hey, skip that. Let's just get to the healing part. Partly because you realize, look it, I am a sinner. And I need to have my sins forgiven. And partly, you know, if you can do more, then that's great. But that's the greatest need in my life. And what, what is really forgiveness? Forgiveness, the word forgive really has the idea of sending something away. And what God does, he takes that which separates us from him and he sends it away from him. Not based on who we are and what we do, but what he can do. And our only, only response is, do we believe that? Do we trust that Jesus can do what he claims to do? So why do we, why do we follow Jesus? Because he is the forgiver of sins. You know, and that started out right in the beginning. You know, the Christmas story. She shall bear a child, and his name will be called Jesus, because he'll be forgiver of their sins. That was Jesus from the day one is the reason he came. So why do people come to Jesus? Number one, because of his compassion. He cares about people. He loves people. Number two, because he teaches them the word, the, the words of life. He's the written word and the living word. Because he is the one who can send our sins away that separate us from God. You know, Jesus is the one, Matthew 4, 17, he came telling people to repent. And he taught them about the kingdom of God. So our part is to believe and turn from our sin. And in Acts chapter 10, it talks about from the very beginning, the prophets told the one who's going to come that would be the one who would be the forgiver of our sins. 
But what's, a, what's another reason that people came to know Jesus, came to Jesus? Let's uh, read the story a little bit for a little. Let's read verses 6 through 9. But some of the scribes were sitting there and, and reasoning in their hearts. You ever talk to yourself? I, I, I win every argument that I have in my mind. But anyway, yeah, they, they were reasoning in their hearts. Okay, they were, they were talking to themselves. And it says, why does this man speak that way? He's blasphemy. He's speaking evil of God because he knows that only God can forgive what? Sin. So he's got to be speaking evil of God because he's making himself out to be equal with God because he's claiming to do that which God can only do. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that the way within themselves, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pal and walk? So what do we learn about Jesus here? Uh, you know, Jesus has an attribute of God, which is omniscience. He knows all things. To put it another simpler way, he, he, he is the one who can be the discerner of hearts. He doesn't need anyone to tell him about anything that's in someone else's life because he already knows what's in someone's life. And so people who came to him that were filled with doubt, he was in a crowd where people were filled with confidence and faith, believing that Jesus could do what he was about to do, but they did not believe. And they were the learned ones. They were the ones that other people looked up to and said, well, they know what's happening in the Bible and what's happening in the Torah, what's happening in spiritual things, because that's their job, okay? But he said, look, I know what's in your heart. Your heart is is so far from me, and, and you think making a statement like your sins are forgiven, I, I'm going to give you an evidence why I can say that statement. But I guess what I'd stop here is we think about in our own lives and the lives of people that we care about is that God knows what, what uh, the people we care about are going through. He knows their hearts. And he is the one who can draw them to himself. And, and we don't know if they will... They will hear that call, but he desired for people to know who he is. He knows what they're going through. In reality, even though many of those, those religious leaders would not take the evidence that was about to be given to them, we know that one probably did, which was Nicodemus. But he desired that whatever the barrier was that was keeping them from making that 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 commitment of faith, that humble commitment of, of confessing their sins, repenting of their sins, turning to him, that Jesus could, could convince them, but they have to be willing. He's a discerner of hearts. And then we got the rest of the story. It goes on in verse 10 and says this, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out to the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God saying, we have never seen anything like this. So why did people come to Jesus? One, because he, because they saw his compassion, his love for them. Because he was the one who was the teacher of the words of life. Because Jesus was the one who could forgive, claim to forgive sins. Because Jesus knew people's hearts and what was going on in their life. Because Jesus was the one who could heal those. But he healed them in order to reveal himself. Every miracle that Jesus did was not to draw a crowd. 
It, it, wasn't, it wasn't to somehow show that he was the greatest magician in town. But it was to reveal who he is and was. That he truly is the God become flesh. Jesus always was a discerner of hearts. In John 13, 11, we know that, that he knew that Judas from the very beginning was going to betray him. We, we know in, in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, that as John records all the signs that he did, he, he said, I, I recorded them all for a purpose. So that when Jesus did the miraculous in the sight of the disciples and everyone else, then people could believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior, and putting their faith in Him, they could have life that would last forever. You know, it's interesting in this, I, this is all for free, but if you were paying attention as I was reading from Mark chapter 1 and Mark chapter 2, the word immediately is used over and over again. It's, it's kind of Mark's favorite word, immediately, immediately, immediately. When Jesus wanted to do something, He didn't have to take His time. He could do it, what? Immediately. When he healed the leper, he was healed immediately. When he told the paralytic to stand up, he healed him immediately. And as we think about what God can do in our lives, and, and the most important things in our life that he can do in our life, he can do immediately. I, I close with this. If, I'll read two verses and we'll wrap it up. After the paralytic story, we have Mark recording this. And, and he, Jesus, went out again by the seashore, and all the people were coming to him because, why? Because he was compassionate. Why? Because he taught them the word. Because he could give them the words of forgiveness. Because he could discern what was going on in their life. Because he could heal them in order to reveal who he was. But I like what he goes on and says this. And all the people were coming and he was teaching them. Again, highlighting the words of life. And as he was passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And you're thinking, well, who's this Levi guy? Well, he is Matthew with a, another name. Levi was probably his his. Hebrew name that he was most known for when he was a tax collector, a hated man because he was abusing his people by collecting taxes way beyond than they felt that they deserved to give to Rome. And the word Levi, and there's a variety of ways that people look at it, it's, it's the, it, were, it means to be attached. And what Levi was attached before Jesus B.C. was he was attached to living the good life whatever he thought the good life was. And he thought the good life was, was live the more money he had, more resources. And, and then he came to know Jesus, and, and then his name changed from Levi to Matthew, which means gift of the Lord, a gift of God. And he recognized that everything that he had was not worth anything compared to knowing Jesus. But as we look at Jesus, why did Jesus reach out to Matthew? Why did he reach out to the leper? Why did he reach out to the paralytic? And I put it this way in your notes. The so what this morning is care about people who need God's care.
everybody you come in contact with, that I come in contact with, need God's care. They won't all respond, but we can show them compassion. We can share the words of life. We can tell them about someone who will forgive their sin. We can tell them about someone who really knows what's going on on the inside. And he is the one, not us, but he's the one who can heal what's broken. And we can show that we care. Because God cares. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus revealed himself. And we can look at his life, and we can look at the people around him that were drawn to him, not just because of the miraculous, but because of what he could do to change and heal that what was broken. Father, help us to have a passion for people who need to know Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name.